Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here today. And this is, as you can see, this is not one of the spots I usually stand. I usually ride here, which I'm very comfortable with. And, uh, but I, <laughs> I thank the Lord for this opportunity and Pastor Sandy and Steve asking me to preach. And um, the, the, the passage I'm going to share with you today, I'm not an expert in that, in, you know, and, uh, but it, it was one of those um, devotional time that I was doing and it really challenging, it really challenged me. It challenged me to the point where I felt like I had to read that passage several times. I know how to read. I understand what I read, but I have to read it again because it was so profound. And that's why I decided to, you know, to speak about this because I felt like since I was challenged by that, hopefully today you'll feel the same to go deeper with God and to draw closer to him. Um, the passage that uh, I'm going to preach on today, it's found in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. Uh, verse 1 to 10. I, I think we can say to 11 too. I think it's and not 11. We can do 11. Let me read it for you. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, has received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance to the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us the very great precious promise so that through, through them you may, you may participate in his divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted, blind, and has forgotten that has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do this thing, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity today to preach your word. God, I just pray, Lord, that, uh, that you put your word in my heart, and that I would speak today in my mouth, your, speak your word, Father, to bless your people. 
because you know everybody in this room what their needs are. And God, I pray, Lord God, that you would bless your people for your name's sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And uh, like I said before, this passage, when I read it at 5 a.m., I don't know if I woke up too early, but God woke me up at 5 a.m. that day. It was a little bit over two months ago when I was doing my devotion. And uh, this passage speaks to me because I, I was reading, I think, past Corinthians all the way. Now I'm in Revelation, a book that I was scared to read, but God is pushing me to read it. Do I understand all of it? No, but it's the word of God I'm reading it, you know? And as I was reading that passage, the, 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 thing that, the theme that came to my mind was, this is the blueprint of the Christian life. It, it explained it very clearly because like any one of you, I'm pretty sure that you have had the same experience where you read a passage of scripture and you had to read it many times because it's so rich. You know, and, and I had to do that because I wanted to know more. I wanted to see for myself what God was trying to tell me during my devotion because as a Christian, we need to grow in the knowledge and the grace of God. And therefore, and, um, and all those things require, you know, self-discipline, moral discipline, and effort on our part. Waking up in at 5 a.m. In, in the morning, that's something that I have done in the past, but I regressed a little. And God is saying, because it's easy to just roll out of bed, shower, and pray while you're going to work. You know, it's convenient, but it's not beneficial. God would say, you might as well go to sleep early, maybe lose a little sleep, but spend time with me. Because a lot of time, I don't know about you, you know, though, when we don't spend time with God, we find our days sometimes being hard and difficult. It's because we didn't go to the main source. And I, I realized that since I started doing my devotion early in the morning, my workload gets easier. The stress, God somehow helped me with the stress that I'm facing. Before I, that, I was trying to take, you know, do it on my own, which you know about that. When you try to do those things that <laughs> you can do so much and then you start crying to God, you know. Um, and then, you know, as I was reading that passage, the, the thing that stood out to me is that the, because it talks about uh, the, the faith that we have as Christians is so precious. You know why this faith is so precious? Because not everyone has that faith. People have faith in a lot of other things. But we know the true faith is in Jesus Christ who died for us. The, the one true God. And, 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 and the other thing that in, I think in verse 3 talks about that God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. <laughs> A lot of time, you know, in our lives, we can be okay that, okay, I know what it is God expects from me when it comes to godliness. But in life, a lot of the time, we feel like we lack things. But the Bible says God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. But the enemy will make you look elsewhere to make you think you don't have it. 
But God will give us, because if God has given us Jesus Christ to die for us and pay all our sin, to give us eternal life, what else wouldn't he do? He'll do anything. He'll do anything for us. And I think Peter, you know, he was trying to kind of warn the church at that time. Because you remember, the church at the time was meeting in small churches, you know, small houses and things like that. And, and, and there was persecution, but now the persecution has a little subsided a little bit. But taking another form by, you know, having false prophets coming into the church. Because when the enemy tried to stop the spread of the gospel and he realized he can't guess what he tried to do. Now he's going to send people in the church. To let you know that what you have is not enough. That's a lie. <laughs> and that's why Peter was trying to tell the church, hey, don't listen to any kind of person that would come among you to tell you about another faith. To tell you about something that you lacking that you don't have. To pursue, no, what you have, that's the truth. Pursue it. Now, the question that I have for you now is, why do you think that Peter would ask us? Because it says in verse, uh, I think in verse 5, it says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And then he gave us a list. Why do you think Peter would ask us to seek after those qualities? They're because they're important? He knows we need them. He knows that we need them. Exactly. We won't succeed with that. We won't be <laughs> effective in our walk with God without them. We won't be productive in our work, in our walk with God without them. And it, it's, it, it says that, you know, I, I know each and every one of us has received a measure of faith. But you, do you know that you can, you can increase in your faith with God? Because the faith that God gave you in the beginning, that's something to start. It can always be more if you want more. Because God is not a God who would, you know, you would come to him and you, you want more. And he said, nope, I, I ran out of it. I can't. I don't have deep pocket. God has deep pockets. He'll keep giving to you. I'm telling you, he'll keep giving to you if you want more. And Peter said, add to your faith, goodness. And good, I looked at the definition of goodness. It's the quality of being good, being positive, and having quality that is desirable. I never come across anybody who said, man, I have too much goodness from God. I can't, can somebody just come and take it from me? No. I always, <laughs> I always find people who's, who feel like they don't have, you know, because they don't have, they lack goodness because they want more, but they don't have it. Because if we look at the world around us, you, you sometimes hear a lot more about bad stuff instead of the good stuff. I don't know about you. I don't watch TV much, but even in the TV, it's, uh, it's all bad. It's nothing crazy. It's all bad. 
And, and, and if you look at society today, the way people are di being divided, whether in, in the church or outside of the church, the enemy knows what he's doing. I think I grew up in an age where he was okay to open doors and be, you know, doing good things for people. Somehow the enemy realized, oh no, I need to separate them. Sometimes you try to do something good for somebody and they feel like they kind of off like <laughs> you're an alien, you know. And I'm not. I'm just a human being just like you. Because the world today divides people. And somehow it created a barrier for us to spread the goodness of God. And that's why I believe that, you know, even though humanity today, people in society may lost faith in the goodness of humanity, as Christians, I think we have a great opportunity to show the people of the world about, you know, the goodness of God. Because how are they going to know about the goodness of God if we don't share it with them? Because we know the Bible says that God is good, right? And, and I think I read in some, God is good even to the ungrateful. I mean, this God must be good. I mean, he is so good. He is good even to the ungrateful. Think about this. You and I, it's easy to be good to somebody who, okay, you do something good to say thank you. And then you do something good for somebody, you be like, they walk like you didn't do anything. You be like, whoa. That can serve sometimes as a deterrent because you didn't get the response that you expect. And we know that when we come into the family of God, he empower us for moral goodness because we know in his word, his word says that he created good work for us to do <laughs> in advance. <laughs> Even before you and I was born, he created good work for us to do. Now in Galatians 5 verse 22, scripture commanded us as Christians to pursue the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So goodness is in there. Because the reason I think the word of God is asking us to do that is because what better ways for us to share the gospel by sharing the goodness of God to them? Because if you share the goodness of God with somebody, <laughs> you've done your job. Let, let, let the Holy Spirit do what he does best. Because the Holy Spirit is pretty good at conviction. <laughs> Righteousness and judgment, he'll do that. In 3rd John, uh, 3rd John ver uh, chapter 1, verse 11, it says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. If anyone does what is good, he is from God. And anyone who does not, who does what is evil, has not seen God. So doing good things, showing the goodness of God is a way of sharing the gospel to other people. In Galatians 6, verse 9, he said, Let us not be overcome, let us not become weary in doing good, for, in, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So that's why we have to do good things even when the person 
doesn't acknowledge what we do because God does the same for them. I remember when I first came here to college, I was working at a part-time job and I came up, I, it was six in the morning and as I was walking down the basement hallway, I found a, a, a little roll of money on the floor. Now I know the floor doesn't produce money, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm thinking, I take it, but guess what I did? When I get to the manager's office, I told the manager, this is what I found on the, on the basement hallway. I think it belonged to somebody. Because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, it's in facility, so it belonged to someone. So I told the manager to you know, find out who lost some money, and perhaps we'll give them the money back. And so, lo and behold, they find out who had lost the money, and they give it to her. <laughs> and the lady knew that I was the one who found the money. She didn't even come and say thank you. Guess what the enemy tried to do? The enemy tried to tell me, you see, you should have kept the money. That's what the enemy tried to tell me. You should have kept the money. You see how ungrateful she is? That's her rent money. You give it to her. Who else would have done that? I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> shut up, Satan. I don't want to hear from you. Be quiet. You know, be quiet. Because regardless, what I did was good because I believe that was somebody's money. They need it. I give it. That's what matters. The, the response, God saw what I did. Sometimes we, have, we may not get the response that we expect in doing good, but we should continue to do good because that's who God is and that's what he expects from us. Because we, the enemy will try to discourage you from doing good things because of the expectation that you expect. That's not what you experience. Because in Romans 12 verse 21, he said, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then it says to, from goodness, it goes to knowledge. Add knowledge. Now we know that it's good to have knowledge because you can gain knowledge to experience, study, you learn. But a lot of time knowledge causes people to puff up. Cause people to think they're something other than who they are. You know what I mean? And and we know that Peter's what Peter is talking about in this passage is talking about knowing God better. It's talking about knowing God for who he is. I don't know about you. I know just a little bit of God because there's a lot of things that he does I have no idea. How would I know if I don't read the word of God? How would I know if I don't, you know, spend time with him to know about him, to learn of him and experience him. I don't know about you. There's certain things that you you expect or you asking God for your knowledge of him, your experience of him. That's what's going to get you to that point. Because when you know who God is, when you experience God in your life, whatever the enemy is trying to say, it's not going to stick. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Because you experience God for who he is. In 2 Peter 
chapter 3, verse 18, he says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. For us to grow in the grace and the knowledge. <laughs> but a lot of people want to grow <laughs> in the strength of the power of God. Why? Because they want the spotlight. And all of a sudden now they have TV on them. You know, they're doing miracles. They can write books. You know, God is not impressed by those things. I mean, he, you know. But the best thing you and I can do is to grow in the knowledge and the grace of God. Because everything that we have, everything that we do and we know, we know it's because of the grace of God. Nothing that we have is something that because we work hard and therefore we have it. No. In Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24, it says, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast in their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength. The rich boast of their riches. But let them, let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercise kindness, justice, righteousness on earth for in these things for in these I delight declare the Lord so you and I we have an obligation to grow in the knowledge of in the grace of God and the way to do that again is you know by spending time with the Lord reading his word you know um and then it goes down from knowledge, self-control. Self-control is having the restraint, you know, over your impulses, your desire, emotion, or, and temperance. Now, when I think about self-control, <laughs> I always think about a horse. Uh, you know, going up in the country, riding a horse, I'm like, <laughs> if you don't want the horse to go where you want the horse to go, make sure you have the, the bridle on the horse to direct the horse. Otherwise, the horse will go anywhere he wants. And I think that's what self-control is for us. It's there to keep us in check. <laughs> to keep us in check. And, and, and the way you and I can, you know, cultivate self-control is by obeying God. You know, when you, when you obey God, it helps you develop Self-control. As you obey God, you respond faster. You know when to be quiet. You know when to say, Lord, I don't know what to say. Help me now. That's self-control. And self-control to me, it, it's really important because a lack of self-control, because I've seen it in my experience, a lot of Christians lost a lot of money. They invest money because somebody tells them, oh, yes, I have the knowledge and you invest, you're going to be rich by the time you retire. And you didn't even think about, oh, God, is that true? I mean, it sounds good, but we react out of impulse and make bad decisions. And you can't blame God for that. You can't blame God for that. So 
It's really, uh, I, it's, um, no, the other thing self-control can do is that it can ruin your reputation. It can ruin your influence. Do you, have you ever come across people that have a lot to say but they don't listen? <laughs> and even when they have good things to say, you don't want to hear it because they think they know it all. You don't. People that have self-control, they know how, when to be quiet and they know when to listen. And self-control is one of those things that I realized that ruined a lot of people influence and their, 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 their way their, they can try to evangelize but it's not gonna make it's not gonna have any effect because they lack self-control they say things that hurt people they do think their behavior is out of line people are not gonna respond to that so self-control is really important because we know I mean we all and a lot of the time the enemy is not gonna make you <laughs> have a lack of self-control where you're just going to do something foolish. But he'll, tr he'll try to slowly, you know, veer you off course so that now you don't have the same influence, the same impact you could have had if you were seeking, you know, to, to exercise self-control to the, to the fullest. In, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8, he said, But since we belong to the day, let us become sober or self-control, Put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of the hope of salvation. And so self-control is really important in our walk with God because it will help us to go in the right direction. It will help us to be say the right thing at the right time and sometimes not to say anything. We think about Jesus. When Jesus was, uh, you know, going to, toward the cross, they asked him a lot of questions. Did he answer all of them? No. <laughs> Some of them, he just don't say anything. Because, like, if I say anything, they're not going to listen. Why should I say anything? I'm just, because it's better. And then it says from self-control goes to perseverance. And we know perseverance is... The ability, the, the ability or the patience that we have to endure hardship and persist in the midst of difficulty and discouragement. Because as you see, as the world's going darker and things are getting worse, that we need to persevere all the more. Because all those things do is bring discouragement. It's, it brings all kinds of, wow, it's just getting tougher. Well, that's when you... And I need to persevere. And perseverance, a lot of time, it requires a lot of testing. I tell you that. But perseverance will stretch your spiritual muscle. <laughs> you know, it'll make you grow. It'll make you strong. But it's hard work. But that's what needs to happen. Because in James 1 verse 3, it says, The testing of our faith develops perseverance. The testing of your faith. And I, I tell you what, anybody who says that they have faith in Christ, you can guarantee your faith is going to be tested. There's no doubt about it. It's going to be tested. I can't tell you if you're going to pass or fail. I'm not the one testing you, but it's going to be tested. And that's the way that your perseverance develops because the enemy is going to test you. 
And in James 1, when you go down to verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So perseverance is the key. If you want to receive what God has for you, you got to persevere. So if you quit <laughs> before the end, you have nothing. <laughs> so don't do that. <laughs> Even if you're tired, you know, if you, if you have to crawl, just keep crawling. <laughs> at least you'll get there and you'll receive. Because at the end of the day, what God's going to say is, you know, Bless and, you know, good and faithful servant. You know, that's what he's going to do. He's not going to say, well, you do a good job, but you crawl at the end. No, God's not going to say that. <laughs> God's going to say, despite of your strength, it was difficult, but you persevere. That's what God's going to say to you, good and faithful servant. And then from perseverance, it says, add to perseverance, godliness. And the other translation, it says, more excellence. I love this one. More excellence. That means you can always go higher. And, and God, when you think about the world today, you know what the world tried to do? They, they lower the threshold of godliness. They always lower the threshold of more morality because... Somehow, some churches fall for that. They think if they lower the threshold, more people would come. <laughs> but they won't change. God is not going to accept these folks because that, if it's not up to God's standard, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, and as Christians, as the world is lowering the standard, what we need to do <laughs> We need to keep raising it to God's standard. As they lower it, we're raising it. It's up to them. Because God, we know for sure God's words is not going to change. It's going to remain the same. Either you get with it, <laughs> get to, with the program, and, be with, and go on with your life and know that you're in, on the right track or, or else. And one of the things I think I love about this church is that <laughs> We keep God's standard all, all across the board. We're not going to lower it. If somebody wants it to lower, well, we may go somewhere else. But we're going to keep it to God's standard because he's the one we're following. We have no choice. We have no choice. Because when, when certain churches fall for that, they think by lowering it, it's going to make it easier for some people. Jesus... Tell the disciple, even before you follow me, just know. <laughs> Count the cost first. <laughs> just know exactly what you get into. The, the road is narrow. You <laughs> and you're going to have attack coming, coming all over the place. So we have to keep it that way. In Titus 2, verse 11 and 14, he says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passion, to live self-control, upright, godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave 
himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. Time is running out, but anyway. Um, and then uh, besides, besides godliness, it says brotherly kindness. You know, the Bible asks us to be kind and compassionate towards each other. Because if we want to be kind to the people of the world, we need to start here first. <laughs> I don't know about you. There's a certain store I go and I go buy something and... If I didn't need that thing, I probably wouldn't go because I talk to people they, who work there. They don't help me. They don't be kind to me. I bring you money because I'm buying something from you. But they, they occupy with something else or being distracted. And to me, brotherly kindness is something, it's, it, just like love, is something that glue us together as Christians. Because when I look at the opposite of kindness... Oh, buddy, the list is not good. <laughs> I found hatred, meanness, animosity, indifference, selfish, <laughs> harshness, I mean, merciless, hostility. Oh, my goodness. I don't think that a church can function <laughs> with those things. That's why we need brotherly kindness. And... Uh, to exercise brotherly kindness, you don't, like, you don't have to like everything about somebody. Because God loves you the way you are. <laughs> Just love him the way God loves him. That's all my, that matters. So we need to be kind with one another because in Ephesians 4 verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. There are people that I forgive. I don't forgive them because the things they done was right. It's because I know if I'm going to ask God to forgive me, therefore, I have to forgive them. I have to be kind to them. In Colossians 3 verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. And then it, it goes from, from brotherly kindness add love. You know, real love produces, you know, action. You know, there's a lot of people who will say the word love, but they, it's like a lip service. It, they don't mean it. But we know when God said he loves us, he actually show us in his word that he's loved. Not only show us, he demonstrate that to us. There's no need to deny about that. And since as a people who receive God's love, we have to show, spread his love to other people. Because the scripture says that actually they will know that we are Christians by our love for one another. Now how much, how many Bible verses you memorize? How, how long you can pray, uh, how big is your house, your checking account, uh, uh, how many miracles you've done, how many people you pray for you deliver. Those things are good, but the key is that's going to make a difference in our uh, walk with God is when people of the world are looking at a bunch of people, they don't look like each other, but they lucky love each other like they brothers and sisters. 
mom and dad of the same family. It's hard for the world to understand that. And usually they'll come check, check us out to see why these people are so happy. Why do they love each other like that? Why do you being so kind to each other? And they'll see for yourself that the power that allows us to do that, it's not from us. It's from God. In John 4, 1 John 4, 7 to 21, I'll just read it. It says, Dear friend, let us, <coughs> dear friend, let's, let us love one another, for, the, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God's love showed his, this, how, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son and his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not the love, not we love God, but he loved it and, and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Dear friend, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In verse 16, he says, And so we know that we know and rely on the love of God as for us. God is love. Whoever lives in, the, in love lives in God, and God's in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hate his brother and sister, is alive. For whoever does not love their brothers and sisters whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love their brothers and sisters. That's a command. <laughs> There's no, out of it. There's no way out of it. We have to love one another. Now, um, as you can see, these qualities, they, they were not like good suggestions from Peter. Didn't wake up this morning. Think that's a good idea. I think these are commands for us, they're not optional. If we want to live, you know, a productive and effective Christian life. Why do you, why should we possess this quality? I think I asked that before, because God, God wants us to be effective. And verse, I think verse 8 and 10 say it perfectly. In verse 8, it says, one of the reasons we need to seek after those qualities is because it will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can know about God, you can know about God, but you have to be effective and productive. I've seen a lot of people who know about God, but they're not really effective. And sometimes I don't want to associate with them because I feel like I'm making, I'm, I don't want to get embarrassed. 
Because he says, otherwise we run the risk of being nearsighted and blind. I don't want to be nearsighted. I want to be like God who sees far. And then it says in verse 10, if you do this thing, you will never stumble. It doesn't say fall, never stumble. Oh boy, when I read those things, I'm like, God, I wish I know those verses way back when. Because I never read those passages before. And I made this my prayer each day, asking God to help me grow in goodness, perseverance, because I needed those things every day. And how we can possess those qualities, I'm just going to say three things. Ask and seek and knock to prayer. Ask God in prayer. Seek. Ask God for those things in prayer. The second thing we can do is reading the word of God daily. If you want to know about God, read his word. And the other thing you and I can do is practice those things. <laughs> it's, one, it's one thing to have those qualities, but you have to practice them. Because it says those who practice those things in increasing measure will never be ineffective, unproductive, or stumble. And that's the challenge for me at the time, and I hope it's the same for you. Because in Matthew 7, verse 7, it says, Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. In James 1, verse 5, it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who give generously to all without fault, finding fault, and it will be given to you. And in Psalm 119, verse 165, it says, Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. And when I read those verses, I'm like, oh God, I need this more in my life. Would you stand up with me as we close? Just like a couple months ago, if you can bow your head also, just like a couple months ago where I read those verses and I was challenged, and uh, I hope you feel challenged the same today as you read this verse because I'm doing the same thing like you in the journey of knowing God and follow after Him. Um, and if you make a commitment today to follow these qualities, to, follow, to, you know, to seek after goodness and all the rest, qualities that we talk about in here because you want to be effective and productive in the knowledge of Christ and want you know to the, his word to keep you from stumbling you can raise your hand thank you and some of you may here be here today or online and have not made a commitment to follow Christ I want you to tell you that you can have those qualities today too because he died on the cross for you to save you. And everything that he says in his word will be yours if you invite him into your heart. And if you do so, you know, you can raise your hand. And because if you want Jesus to come into your life, you can ask him and he will come into your heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, God, for who you are. God, your word says this, if we practice those things in increasing measure, if we grow in the knowledge of the grace of God, Lord, that will never um, be ineffective, we will never be unproductive, and will keep us from stumble. Father, I pray today this is 
this would be the cries of our hearts, Father, as we follow you, as we walk with you, that we will not only draw closer to you, but we will grow in a way that causes us to be more effective in our calling and knowing you, Father. I just pray today, Lord, that you would bless your people as they leave this place, Father. I pray, Lord, that you will keep challenging them, Father, to know you more and follow after your heart. Lord, we thank you, God, for who you are, and we ask, Lord, that you would bless your people from today forward. In Jesus' name. Now, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. God bless you.